0: Welcome! I'm Riley Karsh. I'm Tova Copan.
1: We are thrilled to bring you the We Go Boldly podcast.
0: Let's talk big burning questions, life changes, and maybe a bit of personal business.
1: Let's be bold and brave together. Are you ready? I am. Here comes the show. Hello everyone and welcome to We Go Boldly the podcast. We are so happy, grateful, lucky, fortunate, all those good words to have you guys with us today. We're continuing our season eight journey. Uh, and this week we are going to talk about fear and doubt. It's a super light topic. I'm sure we won't get into anything personal. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Before we get started, I am of course going to say hello and welcome to my fantastical co-host Tova. How are you today, Tova? What's uh what's new in this snowbound world we're living in? Yeah,
0: you know what? I despite um I feel like the way I should be, I feel really good today and energized. And uh I see that because we're recording this right after daylight savings. Ugh. which is the night that I don't sleep. So apparently I've now found like, this is the tradition that I just don't sleep. And I barely existed through yesterday and did not get the sleep I wanted last night. And yet I'm feeling good. And it doesn't feel like one of those, like where you don't sleep and your body starts getting jittery of energy. Oh, yeah, Cause you're those like, I can't do this. <laughs> this seems to be genuine, like, you know, okay, you had a good night's sleep on Saturday night. You had a good night's sleep last night. And so we'll roll with the bad one. I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see what happens around five o'clock tonight when Excellent. I need to feed people. And Oh, yeah. Well, that's the hardest time <sighs> of day, really. It really is. They have to eat all the time. Oh, <sighs> kids. Um,
1: um, anyway, so today, like I said, we're talking about fear and doubt, um, which really is something that Tova and I have been talking about, I don't know, since we met. Yeah. It feels like, right? Um, but it's a big topic and it's something that um really, really plays into the things that hold you back, right? And taking action. So let's um let's let's get started. And Tova, you found this Helen Keller quote and I'm gonna read it because I really like it too. You just told me about it. Um, but she said avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. The fearful are caught as often as the bold. Um, and that's sort of the tone we're setting for this conversation today, right? About what fear does to us, what self-doubt does to us and how it, um, it's like a poison really. It holds us back and, and shuts us
0: down, shuts down our systems. So, um, let's dive in. Yeah. And I, I just want to say like, um, because you said, you know, we've been talking about this basically since we've known each other, but truly we've been talking about this since we've known each other, because as we like, maybe not since we've known of each other's existence, but when we first started having conversations with each other, it was part of a Mel Robbins, like 2020, you know, new decade, like, woohoo, we little did we know. Um, (laughs) And we were sharing I would say like relatively intimate and vulnerable details about our lives because, and we were talking about fear and doubt and we had the safety to do that because we didn't know each other. We were never going to see each other again and it didn't matter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But so um, I think one thing that's really important, uh, you know, we're going to hop into some definitions as we do. And, um, but one thing I think is really important is that to truly understand what's behind your doubt or the fear and how it's affecting you, or, you know, a lot of people like to throw around imposter syndrome, and we're not going to necessarily talk about that specifically, but that is this doubt that's in you that you're not up to snuff. Um, you do have to get vulnerable because I would argue that oftentimes, the first layer of fear is not like truly the fear that is actually causing trouble or the first layer of doubt. And so it does require you to dig deep as, as does most things that are, you know, worth your time. But, um, I think this, especially like if you stop at the first layer, it's a great start, but it's just that it is just the start. Um, So with that, (laughs) let's, let's hop in. So I, I did the research on this one and I, I have a very like lengthy definition of limiting beliefs that I won't totally go into. Um, but it refers to a false belief, right? I, it is something that an individual makes that is an incorrect assumption about something in life. And so, um, You might say, no, but my limiting belief that I don't even call it that, but I just believe X, Y, or Z. Well, it's false. Like, let's just throw it out there. And that's one of the reasons that we talk about wanting to help people have a limitless life is because we want their lives to be guided, not by limiting beliefs, but by what can happen when you, you work through those. But oftentimes these beliefs exist on an unconscious level and they can be pervasive through every decision you make everything you do, everything. It's almost, I think of it as like wearing like rose colored glasses, but the opposite, <laughs> whatever that would be like a puke green colored glasses, right. S- some like, sort of muddy color. Yeah. Like you are interpreting all of the things that you see in your life, all of the facts, all of the experiences through glasses that are tinted by your limiting beliefs. And you do not even realize that it is happening.
1: Yeah. We like to refer to this as the stories we tell ourselves. And I know that that's not original to us. A lot of people do that, but it's, um, I think it's a good, it's a helpful phrase to use because it changes it from belief to a story. Like just a, these are, these are, this is the image flashing through my mind. This is the movie I'm playing about myself. This is the the narrative I'm reading and it's telling me who I am. Um, but it's just a story. And as you know, if you read fiction or you know, watch any kind of entertainment stories are made up and they're not real. They're not true. They're not accurate all the time. And so thinking about it, I think in those terms is a really helpful sort of flip of language that will, that will achieve, you know, sort of the consciousness that we're looking for.
0: I agree. And I think, so two things to that point. So if you are a lawyer and, um, you've been through law school, which is how you became a lawyer and um, you've taken criminal procedure, which I think is pretty much required in most, most law schools. Yep. Um, you learn how unreliable eyewitness testimony is. And this to me was like, almost like an aha moment where it's like, I can look at Sometimes it's unreliable because you're not paying attention, but they will show three people like studies have shown, they can show multiple people the same video and they see three different events. And so they are literally seeing the same thing. And so for me, obviously that was like an aha moment about eyewitness testimony, (laughs) but it was also a, like your experiences and the beliefs and the stories that you tell yourselves affect how you interpret events that are happening around you. And so it is very important to recognize that like your reality is not necessarily someone else's reality. And I don't mean that like, we all make different money and we all live different places. I mean, like you can stand next to each other and experience the exact same thing and you are not experiencing the exact same thing.
1: Yeah. Cause you, you bring yourself to every situation, right? Your, your internal sensibilities, your past, your trauma, your success, all of that comes in and, and, and um, colors the way we see the world. It just changes all of the things that we see. And so you're never going to perceive something the exact same way as somebody next to you because they have a whole different set of perceptions and they come with these preconceived notions. And that's just, that's being an individual. Um, But you have to acknowledge that and be willing to look through it before you decide that something is the absolute truth. And, you know, there's, there's no changing it.
0: Well, and I think that what you said, acknowledging it is so important. Brene um, Brown talks a lot about, a lot, about this a lot in a, a number of her books, and maybe even on her, her Netflix special. Um, if you want the like short version of Brene Brown and not read all her books. Um, and she talks about, as she learned more about this and would have conversations with her husband Um, if they would get into a fight you know he would be the calmer one who might say like like you're telling yourself a story right and because I think that happens when we interact with each other and you have I have had this experience where one of us has had to like get the brave face on to say I feel like you're angry at me and I don't know why and the other person can be like I've A, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm definitely not angry at you, but X, Y, and Z were happening and I'm not handling it well, or I'm doing this or whatever the case might be. And like, I didn't mean for you to think I'm angry at you, but we, we all tell ourselves stories. I mean, you know, if somebody doesn't text me back, I assume that they hate me. Whereas if (laughs) I don't text them back, I'm busy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And so, you know, I, We're kind of driving this home, but it is so important to recognize that these stories that we tell ourselves can be, are so strong and so pervasive in every decision we make. And they're so often colored by these limiting beliefs, which are driven by fear and fear. The definition for fear is a basic human emotion. It is wired into our systems for a beneficial purpose to signal us in times of danger and prepare us physically so we can accomplish what is necessary for survival. It can be one of our most vital resources. And it is, I have had experiences where my body is signaling that I should be afraid of something when my mind is making excuses and saying that I shouldn't. And I have learned to listen to my body. I mean, it is incredibly strong, but if it is trying to keep you safe from something that isn't actually a danger, then it is getting in your way. And it is, you know, it, it may take the form of a limiting belief. Like I will not, I, I should not try this new thing because I will not, I'm not successful at new things. I mean, that's pretty generic, but I think it's something a lot of people think about and they just think I am not successful at that kind of thing. So I'm just not going to do it. And Somehow it is your, your fear inside of you trying to keep you safe, but it's not keeping you safe. It's keeping you from doing something that you want to do.
1: Yeah. Or trying new things. Right. And they, you know, fear and limiting beliefs obviously work in conjunction with each other. It's sort of a chicken and egg scenario. I don't know which one comes first. Um, and I think it depends on the fear and the limiting belief. Right. Right. Uh, But as you said, there are fears that are useful and necessary, and you should listen to them and you should go, oh, yes, I should not touch the hot stove that will burn, right? Like there are fears or that seems like a dangerous person and I should not spend time with them alone. Like these are fears that come to, as you said, in the definition, they come up in our bodies and our minds, wherever you experience fear comes up to tell you, to alert you to something that is actually going to be, or potentially going to be harmful to you. And so we want to listen to those fears, but when it's a fear that is based on the story you have been telling yourself, then it's not necessarily a good idea to listen to it, right? You have to start to dig deeper as we always love to say. You can't just look at the surface of the fear and Tova brought this up before we even started recording and I think it's really important. Fear is not just surface level. There's so many layers to fear. It's it's you know, it's the fear onion or whatever. It's you have to peel down through it to see what's at the root of that fear and it could be, you know, you just don't like public speaking because you're a quiet shy person and that's how you are, but it could be that you don't like public speaking because you're a quiet, shy person, but also you were picked on for being a quiet, shy person, and somebody told you you weren't a good public speaker, and when you were 10, you know, you failed a class on extemporaneous speaking. And, you know, like there are so many different things that could be going on. And if we're not willing to become self-aware enough to note those things, then it's very hard to move past them and get over them and try, you know, try to do the public speaking or whatever it is that's, you know, that you see that your brain is telling you is too risky to try.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, I have someone in mind, um and i know she listens to this podcast but uh but i you know where she is like in her career she is accomplished and can do public speaking and is very clear with her thoughts and her opinions and feels confident and in, in the rest of her life she has this limiting belief that she can't be confident and she she can't make clear arguments and all of these things and it's like it's almost like the information, the knowledge that she gained through her career was able to overcome that limiting belief, but just in one arena. And that's right. what's so wacky about them too, is that like, you can overcome them without even knowing you've overcome them, <laughs> but you can also like the underlying limiting belief is still there. It's still basically sabotaging you and you don't even realize it. Um, So uh, I think we will take a quick break. Um, and then we will come back. And, um, I want to talk a little bit when we get back about like, so limiting beliefs exist, but also like, we're going to talk about fear and doubt and really what happens when they are in your way. Um, so we will take a quick break and we will be right back. Hey, Tova, you know what I love? Coffee definitions, uninterrupted reading time. Okay, all of those things are true, but I also love maps. As in Siri, take me to the beach? Yeah, also as in uh, who am I really and who do I want to (laughs) be? Yeah, I figured that's what you meant, but I also have the beach on my mind, so... Well, we were talking about things we love, so that definitely makes sense. But the
1: map I was thinking about is our Defining You course.
0: Yes. We put together Defining You as a way to map where you are and how you want to live your life. So true. So many people struggle to find their purpose in a busy and noisy world. That's why we made Defining You. Our course meant to guide you to creating your own mission statement. And there's good news. You can get it now on teachable.com.
1: Find the link on our website at goboldlyinitiative.com backslash courses, or check out the link on our Instagram bio at Go Boldly Together.
0: We can't wait to see you there. Now let's head back to the show. So welcome back. Um, You know, the the point, I guess, of this season is really unlike – It's called unlocking what's holding us back. And the reason for that is because we have all of these different things that are holding us back. And, um, you know, spoiler alert, it's not because we're lazy, right? It's (laughs) not because we just aren't good at things and that's why we're not doing them. And so looking at fear and doubt is one of the ways that we can say, okay, do we have fear and doubt? that are holding us back. Right. And so what are they doing? Well, they can cause you to procrastinate and you aren't consciously aware that you're scared to do something, but you are, and that's why you're not doing it. Right. And so maybe you're trying to push off certain tasks. I know you and I Riley, not that long ago, we're talking about you had a bunch of calls to make. Yeah. And you went from just within the conversation of saying that you, you don't like making the phone calls to you're not good at making the phone calls. And those are two very different things, right? Right. But if you are for whatever reason, like, who knows, maybe at one point you had a a call with somebody and it went really bad. And so, you know, who knows what happened like right. years ago where like a, someone at a doctor's office, like yelled at you. And like, you were like, I'm not making that phone call again. Like, I don't want to do this. It's scary. It was uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. And that it turned into a limiting belief that is like, I'm not good at phone calls. Right. <laughs> and I mean, you have a podcast, you can make, phone yeah calls. I can manage a phone call,
1: but <laughs> it, it is, It is true. And it is, it's a great example because it is a story I told myself for decades that I was not good at talking on the phone. Like that's generally the story. Like that's the overarching story, right? I'm not good at talking on the phone. Um, And it's really that I don't like talking on the phone. That's the reality of it um, because I can't see people's faces and I don't, I, I'm an energy reader. I need to see people's faces and body language And I need to feel their energy in order to actually believe what they're saying. Um, And that's a whole other episode on trust that we will get to at some point, I am sure. But that is just a part of my personality that has existed for as long as I can remember. And as you're saying, it turned into this like, oh, well, I'm just not good at it. So I'm not going to do it, Um, which is absurd because right, you need to go to the doctor. Like you, you need to go to the dentist. You need to order pizza. Like you, you have to be able to make phone calls. It's it's just a part of life. Um, although with with you know my smartphone, I can do pretty much everything. But I was gonna say, thank God, God I can. <laughs> thank God I can order pizzas using an app.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's way less stressful. Um, but
1: in in all reality, it you know it is the story that I told myself, and I. It's you know who knows what it stems from exactly, um, but as you say, like there are layers upon layers of where how I got to that point, and it still creeps in even though I know it's not true. It's it's insidious in that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, it feels it, it does for everybody exactly what what you said. So it causes it causes you to procrastinate. So yeah, maybe it's a feo- fear of failure. Maybe it's a fear of success, right? And I think that's one that a lot of people kind of stay away from, like unconsciously. They don't even realize that they fear success. Um, I mean, you could fear success because of culturally, there's no one in your community who has succeeded at that level. You could fear success because you um, are afraid of how it affects your family dynamics. You could fear success because, you don't know what to do. I mean, for the longest time, I think, you know, when I would think about getting a raise or making more money or even winning the lottery, I'd be like, but I'm bad with money. Like, cause that was a story that I told myself is that I would bad at money. And in those moments, I wouldn't think I was bad at money. I think like, what would I even do with it? Like, I'm sure I would just like lose it all or spend it all. And then finally, one day I was like, you just hire a financial advisor and move on with your life because you can do that. Like you will be able to, you're, you can budget, you've worked with a financial, I work with a financial advisor now, and I could figure out what to do with the extra money. So universe, send it my way. Like I will, I will do good things with it. But for the longest time, I told myself, like, I couldn't, I couldn't get more money because I would just squander it or something. And, um, and so there's also a massive fear of not being perfect, right? Like if you can't do something just perfectly, you just don't do it. Um, I think that's something a lot of people experience and some of us experience it consciously, but I think a lot more experience it unconsciously, you, you know, yeah. you don't realize that's what holding is holding you back. I
1: think a lot of people fail to start because they expect so much of themselves upon starting yeah. that, you know, it, it becomes, um, sort of that cyclical conversation where nothing ever actually happens. Right. Cause you're just so you feel so strongly that you should be good at something before you've even practiced doing it, like which well, makes we, no logical sense, but it is something that I have experienced multiple times.
0: I mean, I'm doing it right now. I will be the first to say, so I have signed up for a course to help with our business. And I'm very excited about the course. And I was like, gung ho the first three weeks. And Um, I did everything and I was checking things off on the calendar and it was great. And then February happened. And um, Riley and I have identified uh, February as a month that um, I cannot take more on than already exists. (laughs) It is a very busy month. Yeah. And so now I'm behind and now I'm six weeks behind and I am like, well, I don't even know how to catch up. Like, so I'm not going on the live calls because I'm so far behind as if anyone on the call cares, but like, I am letting an immense amount of fear, derail this experience of, that I really want to be a part of and that I spent money on and like but I, I am so far like I'm you know scared and in hindsight I will not sign up for courses that happen during February for the future Um, but you know live and learn but yeah. you know so it can be it can be little things and it can be big things that are affected by this. A
1: a really good example that I think a lot of people experience is when you want to start exercising again and you set up this like, okay, I'm going to exercise every day for an hour expectation. When you haven't exercised in like a year, right? You're, you're going, okay, well now I'm going to just suddenly start exercising every single day, uh, for an hour and it's going to be great. And I'm going to get in such good shape and I'm going to be so strong. Um, And then you don't succeed at every single day for an hour, every, you know, forever. And you're like, well, then I'm not going to do it at all, right? Like, I'm not going to exercise any day, which I'm, you know, using myself as an example, to be honest, because this is something I really want to do, but realized like that I was, you know, letting this perfectionism get in the way um, and unreasonable expectations get in the way of actually just starting and just doing. So, you know, if I'm not perfect, then why am I going to do it? Well, because yeah, you got to start somewhere. You have to start something first in order to learn how to do it. That's just, that's just how it works. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Um, but you know, so fear also fills your head with negative self-talk that's, that's on our, on our list of fear and doubt things, bad things that fear and doubt can do to you. Um, And I'm, I'm bringing this one up personally, because this is something I have struggled with forever. That voice in your head. And I'm sure a lot of other people can relate that voice in your head. That is just a nasty, nasty voice. And um, I have lots of swear words for that voice. (laughs) that I'm trying hard not to say, but you know, you get that voice in your head. That's just mean and saying like awful things to you. And, what I have learned and Tova can back me up on this is that you can tell that voice to stop, right? You can give the voice a name. Like maybe you like you give it a a funny name that helps you. You can tell the voice, like, there is no reason for you to be here. I have this, everything's okay. Maybe you were helpful before, but you're not helpful now. Right? Like you can talk to that voice and you can talk back to it and be like, no, go away. Um, But when you don't do that, when you don't shut it down, your head becomes a toxic place. It's like a toxic wasteland of misery. Um, Not to be dramatic about it, but I really, I think if you, you know, no one is harder on us than ourselves for the most part. And if you spend so much time filling your head with all these negative thoughts then that is the reality you're going to create around you, right? That is the energy you're going to call to you. That's the sort of life you're going to wind up living. And it's not necessary because, again, it's just a like crazy story you're telling yourself that isn't real.
0: It's not true. Well, and I, I go back to our guest, April, um, back in December, I think she was a guest. And mm-hmm. I think so often we assume or we elevate that negative voice as like the truth teller yes and the one inside of us the voice inside of saying try this new thing what about doing this what about going back to school for this what about you know this adventure that we want to go on in life or even just like I want to read a different kind of book I'm going to look at this book like it could be a a little tiny decision or like I'm going to try a different kind of drink when I go out or a different meal, like whatever. We assume that voice is not the real voice is not like the truth teller. And we give the, um, the voice in our head, the negative voice, you know, the, I I was thinking of a name like negative Nancy or whatever, (laughs) like (laughs) you give that voice, the role of truth teller and the, the real voice and the person we should be listening to in our head when it's really the other way around. And that's what April was saying that like, she gives the voice that is telling her to go and do and try new things and, and find joy and find adventure. Um, because all of those things are scary because you might fail, right? Like you might start a project that you don't finish. Right. Right. And for some people that's the scariest thing. And that is like, you know, you've been driven that you, you finish what you start. What if you don't like it? Like, I mean, it just, we're not talking about something that maybe, you know, you threw in hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to law school. I mean, for me, that was scary after spending all that money at law school and then not being a practicing attorney. Yes. Like there were a lot, <laughs> there were a lot of shoulds and, you know, negative voices in my head saying like, that was wrong. Even though the voice in my head that was pushing me to do it, I, I knew was the correct, like I knew was the voice I should be listening to. Um, but I think it is really important and I know I've talked about it before and I'll keep talking about it, but, um, Michelle Obama in her book, her most recent book, um, talks about that voice and talks about how the job of that voice is to keep you safe. But if we go back to the Helen Keller quote, you know, not being bold, not breaking through your limiting beliefs doesn't actually keep you any safer than, Staying stagnant, like, or you know, like, staying stagnant does not keep you any safer than trying new things, right? Right. Because that voice is helpful when it tells you, like, not to run out into the street to chase the ball until you stop, make sure no cars are coming. Really useful. Thank you. But for the most part, when we are letting fear dictate, and and that voice is fear, right? When we're letting fear dictate our decisions, um, not only can it cause us to not be able to feel like we can trust our gut, not because if you listen to that voice, then when you get to wherever you made a decision, right? If you've listened to your fear, you're going to get someplace that you're not comfortable in. And you're going to be like, well, but I listened to the voice in my head and now I'm here. And how can I even trust what I think? Well, cause you're listening to the wrong voice. You're listening to the mean one that is trying to keep you safe. Um, It can also keep you from even making decisions, right? And prevent you from um, breaking out, like even being able to decide what to do because all you see on both options or three options are the risks and the fear. And I I really, like I said, I really think about a lot what, what April had said about how she doesn't give that voice, that elevated position in her head. It exists and she hears it but she doesn't listen to it. And she knows that it it has a purpose, but it should not be the voice that is guiding our decisions in our life.
1: Yeah. And they, uh, you know, one of the most important takeaways from that is that you have a choice, right? That it is not, you know, faded or somehow automatic. You have a choice. It's a hard choice sometimes and you have to work to become aware of the choices but you do have a choice as to how you deal with that voice in your head whether it's the mean spirited voice or the positive voice or some neutral version that you know you have who knows what you've got going on in your head right right but like you get to choose who gets the authority right and that in and of itself is risky and that feels probably Frightening to a lot of people, but it's also wonderful because then you get to say, yeah, I'm not going to put myself down and I'm not going to shut down this opportunity before I've even tried it. Or, you know, instead of thinking, oh, what if it doesn't work out? You could start thinking, well, what if it does work out? What are, what are the possibilities? And you can allow that dreamer inside of you to actually have some power over your choices um and you know create innovation and create possibilities and opportunities for yourself when you allow the person that's dreaming inside of you to sort of take the driver's seat and make make the decisions on what road you're going to take there's a lot of mixed metaphors happening there um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what just happened but if you you know if you allow that to to be the case then there's so much more opportunity you can try new things. You can expand who you are. You can, you know, become the, well, as we like to say, you can become the limitless person that you've always wanted to be. And I know I'm making it sound, you know, kind of wooey and easy, but it, it, it's hard. It's hard work. You have to choose to become more aware. You have to choose to, you know, which voice you're going to listen to. You have to choose to try new things and take risks and, and sort of live life on the edge um, the proverbial edge, I guess, if, if you want this to change.
0: Well, and I think, um, one thing that is important is it might be, well, it is something that you have to do with every decision. Like you have, it is a choice where every decision you make big or small is trying to, um, decide what voice you're going to listen to, but it gets easier to listen to the positive voice, every decision you make. And I do think a lot of it comes down to trust and whether it's trusting yourself or trusting, you know, I I laugh, but like there's a coffee shop near me that always has these really experimental, I'll say drink um, (laughs) options, but I trust them. And I've learned that like, they make really good drinks. And so, yes, I will have that strawberry foam latte that sounds like it would be disgusting and is delicious (laughs) because like I, 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 I've, I trust them. I have taken risks with them and I trust them. And so now I'm like, okay, what's your new seasonal drink? Let me try it. Um, but that's how it is with you too, right? If you trust, you know, it's, it's easy to listen to the negative voice. It doesn't make life easy. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make life better, but it is easy in the sense that it it uh, provides that support for the, the shoulds and the supposed tos and the things that we want to default to. But the more you're willing to try the positive voice, the more you'll learn to trust it. And I think that, you know, I don't know if it's truly the opposite, but to me, fear and trust are sort of the opposites of each other they really are. And so if you are trying to figure out what is holding your back, maybe you don't trust yourself. Maybe you're listening to the voice that is filled with fear and doubt. Um, and that, you know, that is, it's going to hold you back from making a phone call to a doctor. Um, it is going to, you know, hold you back from making riskier decisions in your career. I mean, a variety of things. And the reason I say, to dig a little deeper when it comes to figuring out what's true fear is, you know, with you, um, Riley, we know that you just like, you don't like making phone calls. Um, and (laughs) so you don't make the phone calls, but you know, I was, um, there's someone I follow on Instagram and she was talking about kind of dragging her feet. She's really good about making those doctor's appointments for her kids, but she wasn't making them for herself because, um, her mom passed away when she was young and like she was getting afraid to go to the doctor. And so she had to acknowledge that fear and also be willing to overcome that fear to make the, make the appointments. And of course she's like, of course, now I make the appointments and I've not done it for two years. And so I have to get blood work and I have to, you know, there's all this stuff they have to look into because I haven't done it. And sometimes that happens, but it was still the right decision to make, to take the risk. Um, and so, you know, your fear—you might have eight different fears, like informing on one decision, but you just have to keep digging until you can figure out like what is it truly rooted in.
1: Yeah, and and when it comes to things that are seemingly simple, right? Like my dislike of talking on the phone, right? I know that there are things that I have to do, and we keep coming back to these doctor's appointments because they're the easiest to talk about. Um, I know that I have to do them, and I can say to myself, "Well, what's the worst that's going to happen?" right? Like what, how bad can this go? And the answer is pretty bad. To be honest, you can spend a lot of time on the phone. Uh, (laughs) and sometimes the front desk is not the nicest, but again, you can say, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, I don't need to be friends with this person. I don't need to hang out with them. I don't need them to like me. I don't need them to like coddle me or tell me I'm wonderful. Like all I need is for them to make my appointment. Um, and so if they're having a bad day, and they're not nice, or if they don't like me for whatever reason, or if I perceive that they don't like me based on some five minute phone call, that's, you know, impossible to actually tell then. Okay. Again, what's the worst that's going to happen. And so that is a very useful mantra in overcoming your fears in asking, well, what's the worst case scenario? Well, I'm going to fail at a business again. Okay. What does that mean for you? And then you keep digging in and you get to the place where you can go, well, this fear is not something, sub- you you know, you can do sort of a pros and cons, you know, is the fear worth holding myself back or the risks worth holding myself back? And I think more often than not, the answer is no, right? The answer of what actually is the worst case thing that could possibly happen. It's not that bad, Um and it's pretty unlikely to be honest. So, you know, when you, when you start making those sort of calculations in your head, it helps you figure out, okay, well, am I going to take this risk? Am I going to overcome this fear? Am I going to let this go so that I can try something new? Um, and it, it, I don't know, I find it very helpful to, to process things.
0: And I think, you know, we just listen and we, we should take a quick break, uh, in a moment, yeah. but, um, We just listened to a episode with David and he talked about how, and I think you highlighted this, how he was going to try a new business, but he knew he could always go back to his old job. And I think we are so driven on a timeline of like a linear timeline. And we never think that we can go back. Like we never think, well, we could try something. And if it doesn't work out, we can go back or we can go back to something else or like I think we are often viewed success as this like straight line and, um, the people who are truly successful often get off that line really quickly and, yeah. and try other things. So we're going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back and we're just going to talk about, you know, and wrap up in a positive <laughs> way and talk about what we can do to shift our limiting beliefs like what are steps that you can actually take as opposed to just like think about them I mean there's gonna be a lot of thinking about them but um what you can do to to shift these limiting beliefs and dig deeper and figure out what the fear is and all that good stuff so let's take a quick break and we will be right back Now, what I really love to do uh take baths go for walks
1: read drink margaritas hike
0: Yeah, not what I was referring to. You know we're recording a commercial right now. I do, but I'm thinking outside the box,
1: being adaptable.
0: As I was saying, what I love to do is host our live monthly workshops.
1: Oh right, that's what we were talking about. Me too! They are a lot of fun to put together and host every month. And we can bring margaritas,
0: so… Join us for live conversation as we get a bit deeper into topics near and dear to our hearts. We go through everything from self-care to setting boundaries.
1: We share coaching tips, practical advice, and take questions from the audience. It's a whole lot of fun.
0: Sign up for our newsletter today at goboldlyinitiative.com contact to make sure you hear about all the upcoming Go Boldly workshops. You definitely don't want to miss out now back to that show. Okay. So welcome back. Um, I think, you know, I said, we're not just going to think about our limiting beliefs, but I was actually like the first step. Um, and this <laughs> circles back to the very first thing that we were talking about, which is understanding your thoughts are not the truth. Right. And so you need to figure out what are the stories that I'm telling myself and are they even true? Like, are these thoughts, actually based in in fact and i think um we we were talking about this yesterday in our circle which is our weekly group where i was saying that i am working on overcoming guilt and shame for things that i know objectively are not things that i have to overcome like are not things that i need to feel guilty or shameful about but you know objectives (laughs) who cares about things that are objective (laughs) but um you know, so that is the first step. And maybe it means writing it down. Like maybe this is some journal entries that you do where you're thinking about, I'm trying to make this decision. I just can't do it. I just can't. I don't like the saying pull the trigger for obvious reasons, but there's not a better one (laughs) um, at this moment until I think of one, you know, I just can't do the thing I want to do. Right. And honestly, that was like the original, uh, working title for this, (laughs) <laughs> the season was like, doing do the, the thing. thing you, yeah, do the <laughs> yes. thing. And like, why can't you do the thing? Sometimes it's very helpful to write it down and figure out what are the stories. And when you write it down at first, you might not think of them as like, what are the stories I'm telling themselves? It's like, what am I feeling? Right. And then you can say, all right, well, what, where did these feelings come from? Right. Because it's, it's not necessarily the truth.
1: Yeah. I also want to note, and not to take us backwards, but just to highlight, The things that might have been true once are not necessarily true today. So often we tell ourselves the same story for decades, right? And it's based on something that we were when we were a child. And it's very unlikely that you are the exact same person today that you were when you were six or 10 or 15 or you know some other age. And so as we talk about fear being a protector and something that is meant to take care of us we haven't gotten into this and it'll probably be another episode, but you know, there is a reason that you felt that way or thought that way. And it might've been protective and it might've been something that you needed to think or feel or believe in order to be okay. But when you look at those behaviors and those thought patterns, consider them in light of who you are today, not who you were when that started. And it might've started last week and it might've started 30 years ago. You know, you have to start to be, again, just like Tova was saying, you have to be conscientious of these things and these thoughts and you have to become aware of them in order to start having this process. So writing them down is a, is a great way to go about that.
0: Yeah. And you know, when you write them down, I think that, you know, the next, the next step is sort of looking for evidence, right? Like where am I getting support for these lies that I'm believing are to be truths? And I think that that is when things happen. Like, well, I'm 45 years old, but you know, that one time when I was 22, this happened and it's like if you had that conversation and this you know this can hop a hop ahead to talk to someone about your limiting beliefs but if you had a conversation and somebody's like well I'm looking to you know do this job but you know I did try a job kind of almost like this but not really at all when I was 22 years old and it didn't go well and it's like, Cool. So that was like less than your life, like half your life ago, right? (laughs) Or more than half your life ago. And you're basing a decision on that. And I think when we when we look for evidence, um, oftentimes of things, you know, we're looking for evidence of things that we can't do, right? And proof. And normally, Riley and I would say, like, don't look for that kind of negative proof because you can make anything true. But in this case, it's really important because you can t- and you can prove any lie, right? You can look around and say, "See, see, I told you." But you actually have to look at your evidence more critically and being like, "Yeah, but what am I? What am I really basing this lie on? Like, what am I really basing this story on?" And it does require a lot of self-reflection because you are probably basing it. Like there's multiple layers of lies (laughs) that that are built in here, you know, and you're, you're basing, um, the story you're telling yourselves on things that are just either bad evidence or old evidence, or, you know, you're not including all of the times that you've proven yourself capable of doing the thing that you want to do. Oh my goodness. Yes. Because
1: we, as Uh, culture anyway, and as as a creature, we tend to believe the worst thing, but not the 10 great things, right? Like you could succeed at something 10 times and then fail once and suddenly you're a failure. People, you know, the majority of people I speak to have that mindset. And it's like, all you need is the one time for it not to go the way you wanted it. And suddenly you're just not going to do it anymore. And you're not good at it. And it's not you know, you're not worthwhile and all these horrible negative things. And the reality is the other 10 times went fine and you were great. Um, but those somehow get lost. I see this with my kids all the time and it drives me insane where I'm like, but you've done this, you know, 10 times and it's been great. And why this one time it didn't work out. Okay. But think about all the other times that were wonderful. Um, and so we, we need to change our focus of what we're, Giving priority to. And it's the same thing as, you know, who whose voice in your head wins? It's where are you putting the the focus? Where who are you giving priority to in your life?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, you know, it is it is so if if you haven't practiced listening to the positive voice and looking for the good things, right? And we talked about this in the past when it comes to gratitude. Mm -hmm. And how when you practice gratitude, you start seeing the good things that are happening around you. Um, At the same time, this is one of the reasons that we really find affirmations to be really important, and having them around your house or having them in a place that you're going to read them every day. Because it is very difficult to say I am good at X, Y, or Z. You know, we we are supposed to be humble. We're not supposed to brag. I mean, not bragging is. Thing that we really work hard to teach our children like, be good sports, don't brag, but also celebrate your successes. Like, (laughs) what? That is so confusing. And, you know, I have, you know, when my kids are playing Nintendo, it's kind of like a good time to show, like, no, like he's bragging. And it's like, no, he won a race, he's celebrating. That's it. There's a difference, but it's a very confusing difference. And so we often err on the side of, I don't want to celebrate because I don't want to brag versus I'm going to celebrate. And hopefully people know me as like a kind soul who isn't bragging. Right. So we, we are so bad at celebrating ourselves. And so we ignore, like you said, we ignore the good things. And I think this is where it is so important to talk to somebody else, Mm -hmm. whether it is a coach or a friend, or depending on how deep your fear is and what it is a therapist, but talking to someone else about, your fears and your doubts and your limiting beliefs. A, it's very hard because you have to be vulnerable. Um, it could result into a phenomenal friendship and business. I mean, work with Riley and I, who knows? <laughs> it could happen um, to be you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, you know, it does require you to be vulnerable, but it is amazing when you are talking to somebody else and you're sharing your limiting beliefs and they're like, yeah, but what about all this stuff that you did? Like, what about, and it is so easy to see somebody else clearly and so hard to see yourself clearly. Um, and so it, you know, I, I highly suggest that, especially if you're in that stage where you're like, I don't think I can trust my gut because Mm. for years I thought my gut was the mean voice. And now I'm thinking that maybe that wasn't my gut actually, because it hasn't really led me down the right path. And so now you're kind of in a situation where you're like, I don't really trust my gut. And so that's where it can be incredibly helpful to talk to someone and say, you know, what is it? What what do you think? What do we think about the situation? And this is why I'm scared. And this is why I don't want to do it. Um, and, And get their feedback because it is, you know, I, I have people in my life that I know I can go to if I'm struggling at some point to trust my gut and say, I need help. Um, and it's wonderful because they know you well.
1: Yeah. And it's one of the reasons we started our weekly women's circle, right? It's we share in that group, we share whatever we're struggling with for the week and we share whatever we're, whatever success we want to share for the week. And it's a place to actually have these kinds of conversations where you can just, as you say, be vulnerable, be open, um, and and also get feedback because, you know, feedback is one of those things where you're like, it's very eye-opening, I guess. And it can, and it can force you to take a more objective look at whatever it is that you're talking about or thinking about or feeling. And when we step outside of ourselves like that, it becomes much easier to actually overcome the fear. Um, If you're stuck in it and you're sitting in it and you're in like a a feedback loop in your own head, then it's harder to break out of. And it's harder to see sort of the reality versus the perception of what's going on. Um, So that's what, it's just one of the reasons we love having a, a weekly circle of people to talk to because you know there's always somebody who's gonna be like, yeah, but then there were these like, 12 times where it went really well and you did all these things and you've succeeded at all these other things. And so that doesn't sound real. Um, obviously you have to trust those people, but you know, that's, um, that's one of the great things about it. I, I also think in terms of overcoming these limiting beliefs and um, these fears that we have, it's very important to know who you are like and why you are and why you're doing or wanting to do the things you, you want to do. And um, I feel like I'm selling things today. I don't know why, but this is also why we created a course that helps you um, write your own personal mission statement. And we're going to do a talk on this very soon. And it's um, having that mission statement and understanding, you know, getting to the point where you understand your own, why you're mm-hmm. the, your reason, and it can change over time. But those core values you have, those help you to see the lies for the lies. Um, if you know that your core values are things like transparency or independence or love or you know whatever, it helps you recognize who you are as a person. So you can go, oh, wait a minute, I'm beating myself up or I'm saying these horrible things about myself to myself. But that doesn't match who I am at my core, right? That doesn't match who my mission statement in life. So how can that be true? Like how can that be real? And it gives you just that extra step to allow you to question what you are perceiving as the truth.
0: When I think that when you start doing the work on yourself and you do start identifying like who you really are and what guides you, the limiting beliefs sometimes you don't actually have to do that much work on identifying them you might have to do the work on where they're coming from right and, and where they started but you don't have to do nearly as much work on identifying come because it's like oh this isn't in alignment with who i am like what's happening here and um and it can be almost surprising like wait why why was i making decisions that way and i thought another you know another interesting way to think about this fear and doubt and limiting beliefs is they can also often be like, even the questions you use to ask yourself to identify how you make a decision can be guided by fear and by limiting beliefs. And you don't realize it. And I, I read something that said, you know, if you're asking yourself the same questions you always have, you will be stuck where you are. But if you ask better questions, you can make decisions that lead to a quality of life you want one that is positive and fulfilling and throwing our word in limitless. Right. And I think that that is really interesting because you can take a step back and say, how am I even making this decision? Like what, what are my, what is even like, how am I even identifying what should be on either side of a pro con list? Because, um, if you're making it from the same perspective, you're making it often from fear and from that same fear. And so you're going to come out with the same decision if the questions are asked. So even if you're saying, well, I'm thinking critically about this, I'm asking questions, but if the questions are the same, if the analysis is the same, you're going to get the same answers. And so you have to pull back even farther.
1: Yeah. And if those questions are negative in nature, then your, your outcome is going to be negative, right? Like if you're asking questions that are leading to the negative result, which people do all the time, then that's, that's what you're going to get. We can skew statistics and facts to, to meet any outcome that we want, um, whether that's conscious or not.
0: Yes. And so we, uh, we know we're on the home stretch. There's just so many good things to do, um, to work on this. So I'm going to kind of just, you know, rattle a few off. Yep. Um, so one I'm going to, I'm skipping down, uh, you know, you guys can't see my notes, but Riley can, um, <laughs> the, so this concept of growing your grit. And I love this idea because you might fail when you start listening to your dream voice. And so you have to be ready for that and be okay with that. And that goes to your grit. And there's an excellent book called grit by Angela Duckworth that I will, that I definitely recommend. But, um, I think, being okay with failure is another thing that, you know, it is hopeful because you're going to fail like Helen Keller said, but you're going to fail either way, whether you're stagnant or you're bold. Um, the other thing is choosing your company. And we haven't talked about this in a while, but the people that you surround yourself with, are they risk takers? Are they having successes? Are they trying new things? Or are you surrounding yourself with people who are like, I like the way my bubble looks. I'm safe in my bubble and I don't want to leave my bubble Um, because, you know, that is going to greatly influence how you make decisions in your life, because you'll be, you know, if you see people making risks around you and taking risks, you'll be more likely if they're part of your people that you're spending time with to say, well, everybody's doing that right? If everybody else is doing it, whereas if everybody's staying in your bubble, you're more likely to say, well, we're all staying in our bubble. So I'm just going to stay here. Um, we could talk endlessly on creating small habits, right. I, you know, to figure out how to build up to a world where you feel comfortable to overcoming your limiting beliefs because we love habits. Um, and then a big, big one that I think we can end on and that we absolutely love is making sure that we set clear boundaries. And for me, in this case, it is setting boundaries with myself and setting boundaries with that voice and being able to say, I know why you're here. I know you're trying to keep me safe. I don't need you to do that right now. I'm all set, thanks. Like, I'm not going to factor what you're thinking into my decision-making. And I'm sure there's boundaries to set in the outside world, but for me, like, that's the boundary that I need to set.
1: Yeah, that's the starting place, right? Is if you're if you're just starting on this process, you have to figure out how to set boundaries with yourself first. Um, I, I think being able to tell yourself, like you just said, Toba, that, you know, thanks but no thanks. This is that's been fun, but that wasn't that was useful 20 years ago. And now I'm moving on to some other way of thinking. You know, those are those are the primary boundaries to set because that will then encourage you to set boundaries with other people and places and things and,
0: and give you the, um, fortitude to go ahead and do that. I love that word. Um, and I, I think, yeah, because not everybody will celebrate changes that you make and boundaries that you set. And, you know, it is hard if you are, changing how you make decisions and people around you aren't changing how they make decisions, um, you can feel very disconnected. And so it is important to say, like, I'm setting this boundary. And I'm okay, you you do you, but I'm okay doing this.
1: Yeah, it can feel pretty lonely. I just shared something on our one of our social media sites, I forget where, about this. Um and, and it was somebody writing like, that growth can be one of the most lonely and isolating times because when you go through a growth cycle, when you start to change how you look at the world, how you look at yourself, the things that you want, it becomes um, uncomfortable for other people. Not everybody, but there will be people in your life who will be uncomfortable with that. And you will be uncomfortable with those people because they're not supporting that growth. Um, And that doesn't mean that they have to like actively participate in your growth, just that they need to actively participate and not hindering your growth. Um, You know, not everyone's going to come to your women's circle with you, right? Like not everyone's going to want to go float in an isolation chamber with you. (laughs) There are things that people aren't going to want to do, and that's fine. The question is, is your circle of influence, your sphere of influence, are those people supporting your growth or are they inhibiting your growth? Um, And that's a really important question to start asking yourself when you're going through this process. And it doesn't require you to be mean
0: or unkind. It just requires you to be aware. Yep. Yep. So this is an adventure (laughs) and it's one that we're going to keep talking about. um, And I'm sure fear and doubt are going to come up again in this season because... They're always there, Um, but uh, you know, this is the end for today, except for our homework. So not surprising. We do have homework. And so what we would like you to do, this is sort of doing a deep dive. Um, So maybe you don't have a big decision coming up, but this is, this is a good time to, uh, to pick a goal, pick a dream, right? So this is, you're going to start journaling shocker. Um, but we want to pick a goal or a dream that you want to manifest, or I like that one better, but another option is if you want to look at an area that you're just feeling stuck in, um, either way and start writing down sort of stream of consciousness style, um, how you're feeling about it, how you're feeling about the dream, what you think about why you're stuck and don't just don't, um, edit it, right. Don't limit what you're writing. Write and write and write until you have nothing left. And if you don't have time, because this can, you know, normally we're like set a timer. Well, do 10 minutes today and do 10 minutes tomorrow and just keep doing 10 minutes a day until you run out of things to say, (laughs) like, and just write it until you're just drained. And there's nothing else you could possibly say about this dream or that feeling of wanting to get unstuck. And then look over everything you write and identify all of the negative thoughts highlight them, circle them, you know, everything that is a complaint, I can't do it because of this, every criticism of yourself, well, I wasn't good at this, or I, I don't think I'll be good at this or whatever. And then that could be, that could be the homework for this week. Cause that's a lot. That's a lot just identifying the negative thoughts, but when you're ready, start digging deeper on those negative thoughts, right? So the, the homework is really, let's, let's just identify what negative thoughts we're having, because I think once you identify them and you identify them as negative thoughts, then when they start coming into your brain, you're going to start being like, oh, oh, that's a negative thought. Like, maybe I don't want to believe that. Um, but when you're ready, then you can dig deeper into those negative thoughts and you can figure out what is behind this. Why do I believe that? Where did this come from? And that might require a coach or a lot more paper, um, or some good friends, but The first step is just looking at that goal or that dream or that feeling of being stuck and writing as much as you can about it and just start identifying the negative thoughts in your life so you can start dismissing them as being just that, just negative thoughts.
1: Yeah. I think I actually might do this homework this week. I haven't (laughs) done our homework for us in a while. So um, I really happen to like this one. If you do... Go through the process, um, share it with us. Let us know how it goes for you. Feel free to tag us on social media anytime. We would love to hear from you. We um, always want to know how our homework turns out for people. We don't, uh, we don't always know where it ends up, so we would love to hear from you about that. And if you want extra help, if you need some support, you know, let us know. We're here. We have lots of options available to you for coaching, for women's circles, for courses. You know, we have all kinds of stuff out there. So. If you're interested, feel free to check it out anytime. And otherwise, we will be back next week with another episode for season eight. So um, let's get together and unlock what's holding us back. We'll talk to you guys next week.
0: Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly podcast. We know you're busy and we love spending time with you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know.
1: Head to Apple Podcasts right now to rate and review our show. While you're there, be sure to click that subscribe button.
0: Want more us time? Follow us on all the socials at Go Boldly Together.
1: Want even more us time? As in all the coaching pizzazz, find us at GoBoldlyInitiative.com
0: for all the info. We will be back with more excitement, research, and deep thoughts next week. Until then, keep on being the bold,
1: brave, amazing people we know you already are.